episode 3356 of the Survival Podcast. We are streaming live today on Rumble, Odyssey, uh, Twitch, and Facebook. And we, again, I'll remind everybody who is listening to the audio or listening to this in the aftermath, um, we are in YouTube jail for a week. I, I, I don't know if I'll be free on Tuesday next week or not until Wednesday next week because uh, it's in seven days. And my stint in the pen started on Tuesday this week because I went and said something that was true that the people on YouTube didn't like. And what I've noticed about the cowardly bastards uh, that run Google and YouTube, they'll never tell you what you did. They'll never tell you what you did. You know, here I'm, I'm actually a dude that fully believes in the right of companies to decide their own policy. I only ask that a company actually state their policy clearly enforce it uniformly, and if they're going to enforce it, tell the person they're enforcing it on exactly what it is that they did, but they won't do it because they're cowards, and they won't do it because they know if they made a specific claim that I used in the video that they threw me in the clink for, that it would be easy to prove that they're wrong and they're lying pricks. I don't mean to be ranting today, uh, but that's just a bad business practice, and the reason I bring it up is we're going to be talking about building a business today. The title of today's show, though, is Decide Your Destiny. Choose your heart. The premise I'm coming to you with today is that life is hard. That every choice that you'll make as to how you live your life, how you earn your living, how you earn your daily bread, etc., all of it, every single path is hard at times. Every path has trade-offs with the other. But if life's going to be hard, then before you make the decision as to your path or make the decision to stay on the path that you're currently on, don't you think you should evaluate the total? Don't you think you should think about it a little harder than we tend to have Johnny and Susie think about it when they get the little cap and gown on and they graduate and they play pomp and circumstance and they run off to college and then graduate from there or whatever it is a person does in their choice of how they're going to live their life and how they're going to dedicate their life energy during their life. Don't you think that maybe we should think about it, examine it and be honest about hard paths because every path is hard, but some paths are hard all the way through and they really don't get easier but they're pretty easy compared to other paths when you're starting out. Some, some paths when you start out, they're extremely hard, but they get easier. And we should be honest about that. We're going to have a brutally honest discussion about life, business, careers, lifestyle design, and more today. And we'll get to that in just a moment. For that, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is the Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee, where you can come and meet me and a whole bunch, like 500 of them, other awesome people. It's not expensive at all to attend. The Self-Reliance Festival itself is only 95 bucks for two days, surrounded by some of the coolest people you'll ever meet. If you want to come in earlier than those dates, there's an amazing Zero to Hero 
ham radio workshop on the 12th and 13th. And then on the 16th, the tailing day, there's a poultry processing workshop. How'd you like to learn how to process chickens from a man who's probably processed more chickens the ethical, correct way than anybody else on the planet? Joel Salatin. That means you get to hang out with him, too. I mean, that's just cool. I personally am going to be there for the 14th and 15th. I'll be speaking. You can see all the speakers. There is a link in the video notes below, and there will be in the audio notes as well. The other thing I wanted you to know about, though, is you can get VIP tickets. They include a speaker reception on Saturday where you'll be with me and the other speakers and a lot less other people. That's kind of the whole point. You get a T-shirt. You get post-event recordings. You get some VIP parking. But the time with less competition to talk to all the speakers, that's what it's really all about, in my opinion, and it's a heck of a deal for 450 bucks. You guys know me. When I'm at a place, I make sure I spend time talking to everybody, but I can only spend so much time with each person, but I can spend more time with people in a smaller group. There's only 20 tickets left available for the VIP, so if you want to do that, get in on it today. Next up today, we are going to be talking about Life choices. And I'm not going to say you're wrong if you don't build a business. That's that's not what I'm going to be coming at this from at all today. What I'm going to be talking about today with this is, you know, understanding your choices. And I'm going to talk about, well, what if after this whole episode, you're still like, this is not me. I don't want to run a business. Well, one of the things that I'll tell you, and I'll, a little spoiler alert here, then think about becoming an investor. There's going to be some other advice I'll have as well, but that's going to be one. Well, if you if you want to become an investor, you should learn from someone who's a successful investor. John Pugliano built himself up to being a self-made investment millionaire before he took $1 from a client invested on their behalf. That's why I trust him. He's also been a member of this community and a member of the expert council uh, since 2010. So that's 13 years. And John is an amazing dude. He puts his podcast out a couple times a week. It's really cool. It's not very long. Definitely worth tuning into. You can find it at wealthsteading.com. With that, let's start digging in this today. And I'm going to let you guys know, again, if you are on Facebook, I can see your comments. But when I make comments in the back end here, you won't see them in the Facebook feed. That's a one-directional thing. If you're on Twitch, it goes both directions. And so... Uh, I can communicate with you directly on Twitch. If you are on Rumble, which is where the most, I can look over here and see right now, the most folks are on Rumble right now. There is a live chat on Rumble. Not the comments, the live chat. If you use that, it will pop up. I will see it over here. And that way I can engage with you guys on some level. And again, it'll be like this until sometime next week when YouTube lets me out of the clink. If they don't take one of my other videos and decide to put me in the clink longer for a past video. All right, so let's get into it. What I want to start off with, again, this is decide your destiny, choose your heart. Choose your heart. And I don't think that's a, that's a way that we teach young people in America today in the school system, etc. What we try to do in the school system is convince them to follow the marketing ploy of everybody should go to college. And so what teachers, what parents, etc., mentors, guidance counselors, all that should do is they basically say life without going to college is hard. And life with going to college is much better. It's it's easy, you know, or you're going to make lots of money or whatever and totally take on this debt. That's not how it works at all. That's absolutely not how it works at all. And, and I'll come right out of the gate, like I always do, I always have to clarify this. There are people who are right 
for a career path that that goes through college. And if that's you, then you should do that. But the sheer number of, of people that are going to college today is proof that we have lost the plot in that being a path and versus we have made it the path. I look at schools around the Dallas-Fort Worth area, especially in the better areas, if there is such a thing, and I look at the, their braggery, if that's a word, their braggery, and they put out statistics like 85% of our graduates go on to college. There's no world in which 85% of any significant group of people should be going to college. There isn't. I'm sorry. Well, there's not that much demand for degrees. And if you know, then William's like, well, how many complete it, right? And, and, and what, is their, what are their degrees then and how many actually have a job in their field of study? If you looked at it that way, that number would be much lower and it'd probably be closer to the number that should. So just a real quick preface with anything you hear me say today, it's not just beating up the university path. There is a path there for many, but far less than end up taking the path. So let's talk about life being hard. And that's what I would like us to start teaching our kids. I don't expect our teachers and our institutions to start telling the truth anytime soon. So we have to do it. Life is hard. No matter what your choice is, it is going to be hard. So let's look at some of the choices people make and how they are hard at, again, at times. One, working a job for less than you believe that you're worth is hard. Now, I always, I always say believe your worth, not less than your worth. The reality is most people think they're worth more than they are because they've never run a business. They've never signed the front side of a paycheck. They have no idea what their boss really does. They have no idea what their boss's boss does, and they damn sure don't know what the person that built the company that they work for did to get it there. So they have no idea how much they've actually been given when they've been given the privilege of a job. They don't. And a lot of people, when they do get a job, especially if it's not like their first job, if they've actually moved up and they've moved over to move up and they get a paycheck that they actually asked for, like they went in and they negotiated, they said, I want this much money, and they gave it to them. Obviously, they felt like that's what they were worth when they took the job or they would have asked for more, right? Especially if it was a big race. But you, you guys out there tell me, you've got quite a few people on Rumble over here. Let's get the live chat running. How many of you have ever taken a job, felt that you were being paid what you were worth, but in a few months started to feel not so much? Maybe you even had a job. Just put me over here if, you, if this describes you in any way. You felt that maybe you were even paid more, like you were like a little uncomfortable, like your first really well-paying job. Like, oof. But then, you know, six months, a year in it, you're like, actually, I'm really good at this, and they should be giving me more. Now, whether it's true or not, working in a job, being paid less than you feel you are worth is hard. It's hard. That's all I'm saying is it's hard. You know what else is hard? Begging for time off is hard. You know, they tell you you get two weeks of vacation or 10 days of PTO or whatever. But then you want to take off at a particular time of year when, like, everybody does. And they're like, well, not everybody can. They're like, we have to run the business during this time. Like if it's like spring break or fall break or around the holidays or something like that, we can't come. So you're new, so you have no tenure, so no, right? Or you want to take off, but it's right in the middle of some big thing going on, like an inventory or God knows what, and they say no. Or even if they say yes, you you realize like 
look, when you hired me, I was told that I got this time off and now I have to request it instead of notify you that I'm taking it. That's hard. That's hard realizing that you have literally signed away your freedom and going to that office every day and having to ask permission to take compensation that you were offered when you took the job. Because think of, that's what this is. People don't understand, and this is part of why people often think they're underpaid when they're not. Your pay is not just the money they give you. Okay, Your pay, some of it goes to the government, and I don't mean the part you're aware of. Like your tax dollars to the government, that's your payment to the government. When you work for me and I hire you and I do your payroll and you look at what you pay in Social Security, I match that. Well, that's part of your pay. I'm factoring that into your pay. You're, I am paying into your Social Security retirement. As far as I'm concerned as your employer, that's part of your pay. When I say you get a bonus, that's part of your pay. If I pay for part of or all of certain insurances, that is part of your compensation. That's a total value of what you cost. If I give you certain things at the office that are comfortable, that's part of your pay. If I give you a lunch hour or a half hour and breaks, and all, that's also part of your pay, right? Unless it's unpaid, it's part of your pay. So if you're on salary, it's part of your pay. Well, when I tell you you get 10 PTO days a year, that's part of your pay. I have offered to, that to you as compensation. And then I turn around and say, but you only get it the way that I say when I say as I say. That's hard. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's hard. We, we've got a really sorry-ass world today where people think hard is equals bad. Like, hard is good. If things weren't hard, everybody would do them and nobody would value them. Moving on. You know what else is hard? Being poor. Being poor is hard. Whether it's because you don't have a job or you're seriously underpaid or because you just live in a shitty place and you can't find a good job or you have no job at all, you're on disability. Like, I don't care how you're poor. Being poor is hard. It sucks. So if you're going to live a hard life, maybe you should choose a different hard than being poor. And I know people, that's easy for you to say. I don't like to do this whole bootstrap boomer thing is what young guys call it today, even though I'm not a boomer. But I literally grew up the son of a bootleg coal miner. You don't get much more poor than that. My grandfather was also a bootleg coal miner. Eventually, he couldn't do it anymore, so he became a carpenter. A carpenter in Schuylkill County in the 60s is pretty poor. It's pretty poor. Um, my first thing that got me out of where I lived was being a private in the Army. Privates are poor. I know what it is to be poor. When I first moved to Texas, after I got out of the military, I didn't want to do anything that my military education and experience really would help me with, at least at the time, because nobody cares unless, like, if I wanted to be a mechanic, that would have mattered. But, like, I got leadership experience. They don't give a shit, guys. You're Before you have experience to go with your military career, unless you're in the exact same place of work, that you are valued less than a college graduate. You are valued less than a junior college graduate, somebody with a two-year associate's degree in bullshit. They don't care. Now, later, when you build up a career, they care about military service. But before that, they don't. So when I moved down here, I threw all my shit in a $400 car. How do I know it was worth $400? That's what I paid for it. It was a Mustang, too. And I, everything in my life that I owned fit in that car. 
And I drove down here and I slept on the floor of, of a guy that I was friends with from the military. I slept on the floor of his living room for my first six months. My first job, I made $5.90 an hour packing boxes in a warehouse while I slept on that floor. So I know what it is to be poor. So when I say it's hard, I know that it's hard. It's hard to go to the store and then realize I'm going to buy ramen noodles, a whole chicken, and a big can of stovetop stuffing, and a few other things and figure out how to feed myself for more than a week with that, a sack of potatoes, whatever. It's hard. And it's not even wrong that it's hard. It's good that it's hard or it'd be comfortable to be poor. So being poor is hard. Living paycheck to paycheck is hard. It's something else I have experience with. I did become fairly successful, but it was hard until I did. And there was a big part of my life. I mean, I became a stepfather in my early to mid-20s. I was making, by then, I was making like 14 bucks an hour running, running, running construction jobs. I was way underpaid, but it's what I could get at the time. So I did it, and I did it for the experience. I knew I was going somewhere with it. But I remember living so paycheck to paycheck that we would take out, let's say, a pound of hamburger meat to make something for dinner, tacos or uh, what's that crap, hamburger helper or whatever. And, you know, my son was like eight years old and they eat like, you know, vacuum cleaners. And he preferred the meat over all the other crap on the table, which I appreciate today. But having to say, no, you can't have any more meat than this much meat. You better eat some other shit or go hungry because I don't have the money to put two pounds of ground beef on the table. That's hard. Looking at your mortgage payment or your rent and saying, I'm going to make it three days late, but it's not technically late because I don't get paid till Friday and it's coming due on a Wednesday. That's hard. That's hard. Knowing if I lose my job in two weeks, I'm in deep shit. That's hard. So when you hear me or like the discussion I had with Joel yesterday or any of these other people that talk like this, John Willis, Nicole Sauce, basically say you can be successful if you want. And then your response is, but it's so hard being where I'm at. It's not like we don't know. It's not like we weren't there. Trust me, John was totally broke at one point. John was beyond broke at one point in his life. John owed millions of dollars. He's million was millions of dollars in the all. So when you tell John Willis, but I owe a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debts, he's like, wham. So what? So what? I owed millions. I owed millions and I dug myself out of that hole so you can too. But it's I get that it's hard. In fact, the fact that you're telling me it's hard is making the case for you to do something to change it, isn't it? Next up today, um, taking on debt you can't pay back is hard. You know you'll never pay back. Like the debt will never pay for itself. Here's what I mean. If I borrow money to buy a house and I buy a house, I'm intelligent about buying the house. I will build equity in the house. I would someday be able to sell the house and pull equity back out of the house. I can borrow against the house and it provides me a place to live while I'm here. That is a decent debt exchange. Going to college, borrowing, let's say, $25,000 a year for a degree that has a starting salary of $50,000 a year. That's a debt against an asset that is not worth what you've taken debt against it for. Not even the total cost of paying it back. That's hard. And it's why so many of our young people right now are willing to sell out their freedom for loan forgiveness, right? 
because you made a bad deal. Bad deals are hard to deal with. So if you haven't done this yet, or you're in the process of doing it, where you still have time to correct course, understand you're making a decision that's not only hard, it will remain hard and it won't go away. It is the worst debt on the planet as far as I'm concerned. We have created a system in which anybody, including an idiot, can get into college. And anybody, including an idiot, taking a degree in idiocy can get a loan. So if you've made the value of the degree go down across time, the costs go up, and then people are paying 10 to 20x the cost in total debt repayment. That's where you hear these people. I've been paying for 10 years. I owe more than I started with. They made another bad decision paying the minimum, but it really shouldn't work that way. But it does. Tough shit. So that's hard. You know what else is hard? Designing your life is hard. It's much easier to say, fuck it. I don't care. You'll be all right. I'll figure it out when it comes. I'll get to it when it happens. I'll just sitting down and making a plan for your life is hard. It requires an incredible amount of willingness to look inside of yourself and understand the bad choices you've made. It, it, it's also not even the bad choices sometimes. It's when you design your life, you have to decide what you really want and you have to figure out where you are. And that's something people are terrified to do is look at the delta, the distance between those two. It's overwhelming when you really do it. And the older you are, the more that's true. So you better get with doing it today, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are. The delta is there whether you see it or not. This is like people that know something's wrong, like there's something off in their body. And they know if they go to a doctor and get checked out, it might be cancer. So they don't go because until they know it's not real, but it is real. It's real whether you believe it's real or not. And that's a life design, a lifestyle design requires you to look at yourself the way that a good doctor does to do a diagnosis of your health. And it's uncomfortable. And if health is part of it, it's uncomfortable. Admitting, hey, I'm a fat ass. It's hard to do. Ask me how I know, right? It's hard. Making the tough decision, I will not stay this way, and then carrying through with it is hard. Getting out of bed in the morning and taking a run or beating a heavy bag or taking a walk or whatever it is, is hard. And it's all part of lifestyle design, which is also hard. And again, it should be, or everybody would do it and it wouldn't matter. If everybody can do a thing, it's not important. What's the line from the Disney movie, right, or Pixar movie or whatever it is, The Incredibles? When everybody's super, nobody will be super. I tell my grandkids all the time certain things that they're learning in school. These are superpowers. Being able to read is a superpower. I told my granddaughter, when you can read, nobody can ever lie to you ever again. You can always find out the truth for yourself. You can go anywhere you want in your mind. You can learn anything you want. It's a superpower. Instead, what do we tell kids? Oh, you need to learn to read because you're going to need to use it someday because that works great on kids. No, all of these things we're talking about today are superpowers. You choose which ones you develop. It's like being a mutant, right? Like an X-Men, and you get to pick your power. Except it's not shooting laser beams out of your ass, right? Or freezing things with, 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 with your butt. It's being able to adapt to and improve your life on an ongoing basis by the means you choose. You know what else is hard? Building a business is hard. Don't think that any of us are, that have done it are saying it was easy. It was easy. 
it's very hard, especially in the beginning, to build a business. Most of us who have built successful businesses first built, built businesses that failed. In fact, the people who I've seen in life that are tend to end up very miserable and end up doing a lot of businesses that fail are the exception to that rule. The person that comes out of the gate, never built a business in their life, never even tried, first time through builds a business and it goes big time. You know, it goes like, you know, award winning, multi-million dollar business. Maybe even it's a company that goes public, et cetera. People are a part of building businesses like that, whether they did it just themselves. They tend to have a lot of credibility because of their success and a lot of money they can invest. And then they try to do other businesses and they leave behind what worked for them and they try to outsmart themselves. They tend to fail. Um, I've mentioned Mark Cuban a lot on this show. Mark Cuban has a lot of successful and unsuccessful businesses. He's not actually who I'm talking about. I know someone from my days where I used to work with Mark Cuban when I was in sales. And I know I'm not going to give the guy's name out because I don't think it's right to point out his failures and kind of bust his chops. But I know a guy well who was part of the team that built Broadcast.com that got sold off, off to Yahoo and made Mark a billionaire. This gentleman walked away with about $50 million in his pocket. He is a good man. He has spun up a good two dozen businesses since then. And one is remotely, I would call remotely successful. The rest, he would have been better off doing nothing, passively investing his money and not doing it anymore. And that's because he met Mark when they were both really young. They did this thing together. It exploded and he convinced himself he was a genius at business. Well, the track record says no. So most people that build successful business as fail the first time fail the second time, fail the third time, or many of us, what we had was limited success, limited success. So I used to do a lot of things with passive websites and stuff like that. Uh, it's back when people still bought, you know, local phone service and, and long distance phone service. And all. I sold a lot of it, but my success relative to the hours put in was very, very limited, but it gave me a skill. It gave me a skill that became a profession and later became how I built this business which was web marketing and search engine optimization. So you have to fail in general to succeed. And so that's hard. And again, it should be. So with the theme today then is, well, choose your heart. Since having a job is hard, building a business is hard, being poor is hard, working your ass off, slaving away at a career for a company that doesn't really give a shit about you is hard. Think before you pick any of them. Think before you. So don't talk yourself out of what you really want because it's hard, because it's going to be hard anyway. And I wish I could give credit to the person I heard say this the first time. It was somewhere like Instagram or TikTok. It was a little short. And I just I really didn't even think about it when he said it. And then it was like an hour later. I'm like, wait a minute. That's what I've been saying for years, but it's a very direct way to put it. Every choice is hard. Choose your heart. So if it ever comes back to you and you're the source of this, I'm not not crediting you because I don't want to. I'm not crediting you because I don't remember who you are. So let's talk about the path of the entrepreneur. Like I said, 
every path is hard. Every path will be hard at times. Getting a job when you're young and going to work is hard, but in some ways it's easy. You show up, you get a paycheck every week or every two weeks. They give you a desk, they tell you to sit in it, they tell you what to do. If you do what you're told and you show up on time and you do things the right way, you will have a level of success. If you do it for a little while, a year or two at the most, you can almost always get more money just by going to work for somebody else. You can go to your employer and say, I think I'm worth X. And they say, well, no, you're not. You're worth X minus Y. And you go to somebody else and say, I think you're worth X. And they say, okay. And they give you a job and you go tell them goodbye and they get pissed off. You say, hey, somebody else believes I'm worth what I say I am. It's actually a fairly easy way to get promoted too, to move over, to move up. It's what I did earlier in my career. It is in some ways hard, but in some ways it's easy at the beginning versus, okay, now I got to figure out how to run this business that I don't even have yet because I haven't built it yet. There is no path that is more difficult to take the first step on than building a business and becoming an entrepreneur. Because there's no one to tell you you're doing it wrong. There's no one to tell you you're doing it right. There is only one real form of feedback, and that is how much income and profit does this produce for me? Versus how much time I put in. And you can be doing everything right in the beginning. And you can be on track that two or three years down the road, you're going to have an incredibly successful business. But you might be making less money than if you did DoorDash deliveries. Or you might have to be doing DoorDash deliveries so you can afford to build the business. And then you're going to have to make decisions like how much DoorDash. And let realize that's a metaphor for a part-time job, a full-time job, another side gig. I don't care. It's just one thing. How many pizzas can I afford to deliver instead of working in my business and building my business and working on my business and making it bigger than it is today? It's a hard choice. And so with work, if you're on a like, let's say you're on a a, a base plus commission. And you're writing enough business that you're getting a good commission and good quarterly bonuses. The feedback's quick that you're doing the right thing. The company is paying you usually before they get their money. When I was in the cabling industry, um, once I got the PO, I got paid. Now, there'd be chargebacks if the customer didn't pay. But I got paid before the company did. So the feedback is rather quick that you're on the right path. Entrepreneurship, no. You don't know. You don't know. Am I low in income because I just haven't built it up yet? Or am I low in income because I'm doing it wrong? You have to figure it out. It is the hardest path to start. And it is the hardest path in the beginning that there is. And it's in some ways harder when you do what I did with the survival podcast and you're working full time over here on a business that you have ownership in, by the way. And you're doing this thing because while you have that other income, that's great. But the time is a stranglehold. And this is why for the first 18 months I did this show. I got up on average between three and four o'clock in the morning. I put in over an hour of work before I left the house. I did the show in my car for 18 months, right, on my way to my office. I had a little bit of freedom at work where I could shut the door, do my editing, get the show up, and it was very little to do at that point. It took me like 15 minutes to do that part of it. Got very good at that. But that was hard. That was hard. 
And the people that say you're lucky, you haven't made, whatever, none of them were on my stairs in my way when I was coming down them to my home office to put things together at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. None of them were there when my wife said to me, how much longer are you going to do this to yourself? And I said, give me six months. And she did. And then none of them were, none of these people that said how easy it was were there when I went to my business partner and said, I'm ready to leave. And he said, will you give me six more months? And I had to go home and tell my wife, he gave me the six months. I did what I said I was going to do. But I have to honor my commitment to this man who's been nothing but good to me and give him the last six months of the year. And then none of you were there when I had to say to that man, I gave you those six months. I did what I said I would do for you. And now I'm really leaving. And he still didn't want me to go. And he was a brother and he is a brother and he's a good man. And he wanted me to stay the course with him. And I had to say no and cut and walk away. All of that shit's hard. All of it's hard. But this is the difference. The path that is the hardest in the beginning is the easiest for the longest period of time of your working life. It gets easier. It gets easier. And it almost tends to happen overnight. You're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then all of a sudden the success is there. And you can trick yourself with it the same way that people are tricked by observing you overnight success. It wasn't overnight. My success in the survival podcast wasn't even that first 18 months. It wasn't. It was the 15, almost 20 years before that of killing myself and consuming information and learning everything I could and becoming successful in the business world and learning about business operations, learning how to run a P&L report, learning how to market, learning how to sell, all that went into it before the day I started it. So if you're going to stay in the corporate world, the employee world, you should be thinking, but what's an exit strategy looks like, even if you never use it, because you will work harder, do more, earn more, succeed more, and you'll move company to company more. This, this idea of the golden watch and shit is dead with our, with our boomer and world war two generation grandparents. It's dead. There should be no loyalty like that anymore because it doesn't it doesn't go the other way. So why why should you have it? So when you are looking like, well, what can I get out of this job? And you're beyond, well, how much money does it pay me? And you're like, what am I going to learn? What will eventually happen is you'll realize, okay, I can't learn anything else here. Maybe I'm not even 100% on everything that I do, but I know how to do everything I'm going to ever know how to do. And if I go somewhere else, I'm still going to get better at these things that I'm maybe not that great at yet or I'm not as good as I can become at. But I can't learn anything else. And then you quit a job. You do what I do and you did. And you leave a job where I was making a good six-figure income and I went down to like 60000 a year. And you have to look at your wife and say, hey, I have to do this because I have to make this switch in my career. I have to add this skill set. I have to be, and she's like, but you're good at it already. I'm like, I know I am very good at it. But if I want to be great at it, I need to be surrounded by people who are great at it. And you make that decision and that's hard, but that's part of the entrepreneurial path, which becomes easier in time. The easier a path begins, 
the longer it stays hard, and in general, the harder it becomes. The harder the path at the beginning is, the better it is in the middle and the, the second half. The easier it is, the more freedom it offers you. The, it is the path, in my opinion, with the highest level of eventual freedom is entrepreneurship in some level. It is the path that leads you to the point where you call the shots. Now, you get to choose what you do with them, and you'll be surprised that most people that are successful with this choose to work as hard as they did in the beginning. They just work different, and they work for different rewards, and life is better when they're not working. And they're working because they know they need to do something with their life force. And now they've worked themselves to a place where they can do the thing they most want to do. That's freedom. So it may be the hardest path. It may be the hardest path that there is in the beginning, but it leads to the easiest path, the most beautiful path, and the most free path. So you have to choose, do I want easy in the beginning and hard forever? Or do I want really hard in the beginning, a little less hard, a little less hard, and eventual freedom? Because you know what's hard? Slavery is hard. Feeling like you are stuck in a job is hard. Feeling like you can't change your life is hard. And every one of us that did had a point where we said, I'm going to do it. And then it was a long time from making the decision to the reality being realized. But when you actually make that decision, you should be loosening the shackles a little bit every day, every single day. Now, what about finding your path? Like if you're like, this is what I want to do, but I don't know what to do. You know, Joel and I talked yesterday about passion. And it was interesting. I never really thought about things like, you know, the passion of the Christ, as he brought up. But a passion is something you're willing to suffer for. But also people think, well, a passion is the thing you love. Well, that's the same thing, isn't it? It's not really different. It's just a different way of explaining it. Here's what I mean. Would you suffer if you're a father or a mother? Would you suffer for your children? Would you suffer for your children? Almost every parent, inevitably, at some point in their life, unless they are an extremely, in the negative form, selfish person, suffers for their children. That doesn't mean that they crawl across glass and bleed to death or something. But they give up things that they would rather do for their kids. Or they go to things like, Fifth graders freaking, you know, plays in school, which are awful, but they go because they're there for their kids. They go watch, you know, like a baseball game or a soccer game played by kids that are more interested in putting dirt in their glove than they are in playing the game because they love them. They suffer for them. They suffer for them because they love them. So when I say find your passion in business, I'm talking about it that way, that you love it so much that you will suffer for it because you will. And if you're going to suffer for a thing, you might as well choose to suffer for a thing that you love or when it gets hard, you will quit and go do something else, which is also not wrong. I want to be clear about that. When you really realize that the path you're on leads to suffering and only suffering, finding another path is the right decision. We should only suffer through that which benefits us in the long run. And people say, well, Jack, what about your analogy with your kids? 
my kid growing up into a good man benefits me. It's not like you're going to break it with some technicality, like some weirdo at a sci-fi convention and asking about the you know difference between episode nine and episode 94. No. When you suffer for things that you love, you do so because in the long term, it's what you most want. We can do that poorly or improperly or misguidingly. When we do it right, we're doing it for the long term betterment. So you might as well find something you love. So find the thing that you love and have passion for. Along with what you are good at or what you can become good at that you want to become good at. And there are many talents that go into being an entrepreneur that aren't the piece that people see. So if you want to be a podcaster, you have to be a good speaker. Nobody wants to listen to somebody that's not a good speaker. So you have to become a good speaker. So you look at a podcaster and say, well, Jack's a good speaker or, you know, so-and-so is a good speaker. So because they're a good speaker, that's why they're a podcaster. You can be a good speaker. You can be a good podcaster. You can have no business and no money. Lots of people like that. There's lots of people with successful podcasts. Thousands of people listen. They're not Joe Rogan's or anything, because if you're that big, somebody will give you money for your content. But they're not big enough for that. They're like, you know, I have a show with like 10,000 listeners and I don't make any money. Well, when I started monetizing the show and I made a pretty decent living, I had about 20,000. So you should be able to do half of what I did. Why was I able to do that? Because I'm a good speaker? Or because I learned the business principles and applied them to the business model? So when I say what you're good at, you also have to look at things like, how well do you know how to manage money and cash flow? You either have to get good at those things or harness those things or hire that thing to somebody that is. So you have to figure out what you're good at, what you want to become good at, and what you don't want to be good at. And then either, like I said, if you don't want to be good at it, you don't want to put the effort in or you don't want to do it, you either build the model that allows you to hire that skill set out or you build the model that allows you to not need it. Some things you can do that with, some things you can't. And if, you know, me, I really don't like to deal with the back end and the books and all that shit. But since I don't want employees and I don't want complications and I don't trust anybody else to do it, I bear through it anyway. And I design my business to minimize it, not eliminate it, because some things can't be eliminated. And so that's the analysis to do on yourself. What are you good at? What do you want to become good at? What do you love and have passion for? And then what's most important in your life? What's most important in your life? Is it free time? Is it time with your family? Is it travel? See, there's not a wrong answer to that. Unless your answer is something like beating children to death with baby seals, right? Unless you're that kind of sick person, there's no wrong answer to what's most important to you. If what's most important to you is individual freedom and travel then maybe you shouldn't have kids because you're not going to have complete individual freedom when you have kids and you're going to not have complete freedom of travel unless you're very wealthy when you have kids. And when you have kids, generally you have a partner, husband or a wife. Well, they have needs, desires and wants too. And you'll have to be accommodating of that. 
So if having a wife and kids is important to you, as it was for me, then you make that sacrifice. If it's not, and you haven't already made that choice, because once you make that choice, to me, you, you stand up and you do what you've committed to. But if you haven't made that choice yet, if you're young, then maybe you shouldn't. I don't feel like, oh, my God. Well, you know, having had parents who were not dedicated to me the way that I've been dedicated to my son or to my grandchildren, I can tell you that maybe you shouldn't, whether you like hearing it or not. I don't think there's anything more rewarding to do, but that's me. It's not you. What's most important in your life? Next, as you build a business out, I think it's really important that you realize the motivations that make people spend money, the core motivations. And I break them down to three. And one of them is really two, but they fit together so tightly I make them three. And I call this the golden trifecta or the golden triangle of product and service marketing. There's really only three things that really drive a person to give you their money and their time to do business with you. One is that they feel that somehow their life will be better for being part of what you're doing, selling, teaching, right? That their life will improve. So an example of this might be something like a 1980s workout tape, you know, aerobics with uh, what's her name? Olivia Newton-John or some shit, right? Well, people would buy that. Because they believe that what they'll learn in it, what they'll do with it, how they'll apply it in their life will make them healthier. Well, a healthier person is a happier person. It's a life-changing thing. And there's a thousand ways to come to that conclusion. But when you buy something, one of the primary motivators you'll find is that you believe this will change your life. Maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. If I buy a particular item for my kitchen that gives me time back, because it automates part of my cooking process, like a sous vide circulator. That's actually life-changing. It doesn't mean that now I'm going to be a cabillionaire or something. What it means is the things I used to do in order to eat a certain way have now been changed in a way that makes my life easier. That would be a life-changing thing. So it could be a seminar that's going to make people, you know, teach you to win friends and influence people, or it could be a thing in your home that makes a process easier. Both change your life. Another one, and this is the one I combine, education and entertainment. There's actually a term for it, edutainment. And I believe that if you are properly approaching life, there is nothing that educates you that doesn't also entertain you. And there's nothing that entertains you that does not also educate you in some way. Now, you could be educated to a thing that's pointless. But here's what I mean by that. You give me a life scenario to teach a lesson with, and because my wife loves friends, and I've watched the damn thing with her like three times, and I don't mean three times. I mean like the whole thing like three times, and with my memory, I could probably take an episode of Friends and use it to explain a life lesson no matter what that lesson needs to be, even though it's pure pop culture entertainment and in some levels garbage TV. So anything that educates you, truly educate you, should be entertaining. And this is why so many people don't learn and don't retain information because teachers don't know how to do it. Teachers don't know how to do it. And it's not like it can't be done. There's a, if you go to my Instagram right now and like two or three posts back, 
My wife posted a thing of my granddaughter yesterday cheering that school was so fun because she was learning. And she had gotten like she had that moment in mathematics where, oh, it all makes sense. And she was overjoyed. Well, because Excellus, who we use for our homeschooling, has really great teachers that know how to engage a student, entertain a student while they're educating a student. If you're going to build a product that is an educational product, it better not just educate. It better entertain in some way. And entertain simply means that the person gets some level of connection and response that they enjoy. Because some people like to be angry. That's why talk show hosts that talk about nothing but problems are successful. They're entertaining. People like to feel outraged. People like to feel that they're better than other people. I'm not saying that's the way to make a living. I'm saying it works. The next one is profit. And profit can be direct or indirect. Profit can be I buy this thing. It's a course on investing. And I believe it will work. So whether it does or not, I bought it for the intent of making a monetary profit. Profit can be I've analyzed my business. And there's a machine that I can buy for my shop. And I look at how many man hours are spent to create 100 widgets a week. And if I buy this piece of equipment, it will reduce the man hours necessary to produce the 100 widgets. Or it will let us produce 200, assuming we can sell them. And I do a basic mathematical formula and say this product will pay for itself in six months and has a life expectancy of five years. I just bought it. I don't even have to think. Assuming the calculations are valid and I believe them, that's a profit-motivated purchase. I am going to buy that thing. In fact, I have to say that I would be stupid not to. I would be a bad business person if I didn't buy that item. under. If I got to go to the bank and take out a loan, and it's because I have to service a loan, it takes seven months to pay itself off. Instead of six, I'm still stupid if I don't buy it. <coughs> Assuming I plan on having my business a year from now, that's cut and dry. I would go much longer on a timeline and still make that decision. That's profit motivation. But so many things that we buy, we see as profitable to us, <coughs> even if they do not give us money. Something that gives you back your time is profit. It's a profit. If I now make a purchase and as a busy person has to provide, again, go back to cooking has to provide food for my children every day. And it cuts an hour of work out of my life. <clears throat> Tell me an hour of your time is not worth anything to you. I mean, you if you have a job, you sell your time for money. That gives you right there how much your time's worth. <clears throat> As a minimum number, by the way. So, profit. Whether it is time whether it is I feel that this information is so valuable that it will make my life better, all these are the only things that really motivate somebody. And I've had people try to, you know, do the, like I said, the, the sci-fi nerd going, in episode nine, you said this, but in episode 94, you said this. How to, like, try to break it, and no matter what anybody's throwing at me, I'm like, well, this is how that's profitable. This is how that is educational and entertaining. This is how this is life-changing. Now, you want the gold. You build something that people feel does all three. That's what you do if you want to be a master entrepreneur. The product that you're selling 
the people feel it makes their life better in some way. It educates and entertains them and it gives them some form of profit in their life. They will always buy from you if they feel that way. Let me rephrase it. They will always pay you what you're asking for that if they can afford it. If they can afford it. And if they can afford it and don't think they can, then your job as a marketer is to explain the profit nature of what you're offering such that they realize not only can they afford it, they they really can't afford not to do it. That's it. Now, I'm going to tell you, you can go and get an MBA. And a lot of the shit that I gave you for free today, you won't ever learn. You'll learn how to put a prospectus together and a business plan together and go to a bank and beg for money and get a loan. You'll learn how to go sucker VCs or, or angel investors into giving you money. You'll make connections that may be incredibly valuable with other people in the space that you're in. You might even get connected to a wealthy fan. Like there's, there is something to that MBA, especially from a top school, a Princeton or Harvard, a Yale, even something like SMU here in Texas. Not a school that people think of, but there's a lot of value in an MBA from SMU beyond who will give you a job and what you learn directly into the network of connections that you get into. But they won't teach you what I just did. I just gave you everything you need to go build a business, assuming that you want to, and you want to build a business that fits your life. Now, if you want to raise a half a billion dollars in capital to build the next tech giant company, I really haven't given it to you. That's not my job. That's not what I do. That's not what I have experience in. But if you want to build something from a solopreneur type thing you do by yourself up to a small business, 20, 30, 40, 50 people in it, you now have everything you need to know to start walking the path. And walking the path is what will actually teach you how to do what you want. Because how? See, I could have made a lot of money many years ago. If I came out with Jack Spirico's course on how to make money while you're in your underwear drinking bourbon or whatever, okay, I could have made a ton of money doing it. Do you know why I don't do it? Because one, I give away the information for free. And two, it's dishonest. Everybody that does that is a dishonest person, whether they know it or not. You can lie due to ignorance or you can lie due to malice. Those are two ways you can lie. You either didn't know you were lying, but you're still lying. Or you did know you were lying and you did it anyway, so you did it out of malice. So I like to drill things down to very basic components. This is why they're lying. It's not what they're teaching doesn't work. It's they can't teach you how to do it. You have to learn how to do it because every single person's business will be different. It will, And they will all be the same. I did a thing at one of the workshops here, our November workshops. God, I guess it was five, six years ago. And I took four completely divergent-looking businesses and showed how they were all actually the same. One was Brian Black with ITS Tactical. One was TSP, my business. One was, I don't remember, the other. One was my my nephew's and his wife's business. And she's an Instagram model. And then I had one that was much more product-centric, and I don't remember what it was. But when I showed how the business operates, every person went, oh, oh wow, they're all the same. So there's a principles. But then if you looked at what the individuals in those businesses did on a daily basis to be successful, their walk was entirely different at the same time. It's the same but different, man, in the words of Thomas Chong, right? 
beaners, right? It's the same but different, man. It's the same but different. Beaners and Mexican-Americans, those two songs, that movie, if you know what I'm talking about, the same but different, man. And so I didn't do that because I simply don't believe in deceiving people. And it makes somebody think that if you take my course, you will be successful. Because I don't believe that you will. I believe that most people that take those courses because of their own failures fail to be successful. And taking the course will not improve your odds of success over just being told what you need to know to start walking the path. Because the path is hard, but the path is the path. And your path is different than mine. Even if you're going to start a podcast on preparedness, your path is different than mine. I promise you, you can learn from what I did. You can take a lot of pieces of it, but you can't just make it cut and paste. It won't work for you because you're not me. And anybody that won't tell you that, again, is a liar through ignorance or malice. You decide. Now, what if you're like Jack? I listen to this whole thing. I always get excited when you talk like this, but it's not me. I don't really want this. I don't want this path. I feel that it is too hard. I'd rather have the long, hard path all the way through that's hard but somewhat easy. It's just I, I like this. It's more my thing. Then don't start a business. You thought I was going to say, shut up, quit whining, quit being a baby, do it anyway. Once you do it, you'll realize. No. Passion is something you'll suffer for. There's something about this idea of following your passion in business that there's like two camps in it. There's the Mark Cuban camp. You don't need to follow your passion. Sell to the knee. The guy's a bullshitter, by the way. Everything he built. You understand, just because Yahoo bought it and then ran it into the ground doesn't mean that it failed. It means Yahoo failed to understand what they bought. They spent $4 billion on something, and they didn't know what it was because it was that time in the world in the dot-com boom. What Broadcast.com did, Mark Cuban's original company, and it was actually called AudioNet, was the first internet streaming company in existence. So I'm talking before Netflix and Disney and all that type of streaming, before YouTube, before the ability for somebody like me to use a product like StreamYard and stream content. Broadcast.com was the first streaming content business there was. And why did they build it? Why did Mark and this early group of people get together? And one guy, by the way, was a janitor at JCPenney's. He's the guy that ended up walking away with almost $50 million. Why did they build it? Because Mark was driving around in his car listening to basketball on AM radio and as a huge basketball fan was like, I want to listen to the Indiana Pacers. I can't listen to the Indiana Pacers. We should build a thing that would let me listen to basketball, which is his passion, which is why he owns the Mavericks. That's the direct passion. Passionate for basketball. Use the basketball angle to build the business. But he knew what he was building was not just a way to broadcast basketball games across radio through the Internet. He knew better. He knew that if you could build a thing that would allow content to be streamed by radio stations, that everybody would have a different reason for why they would use it. There's a lot of people, they live in a city, they come up in a city, they like, let's say, a talk radio show. 
that talk radio show is not huge. It's not syndicated. It's not all over the world. It's not all over the country. It's not, you know, it's not Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or whoever those other clowns are, right? It's like Bill Rogers in, you know, Atlanta. But they love it. And then they get a new job in Austin. And they don't like any of the local guys there. I want to hear Bill. That was the value. That was the value that he was selling. So that's where he's right when he says following your passions are relevant while he's lying. But here's the other thing. True entrepreneurs are passionate about building business for the sake of building business. That's the real passion. They're passionate about the freedom that will come from it. They're passionate about the success that comes with it. They're passionate about being able to pour their heart into something their soul into something, their life energy into something, the way an employee does, but to own it. That's part of the passion. So if you don't have that, then this path isn't worth the pain. It's not. If you do, if you do have a passion for that, this is the other side of it. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how easy your job is. You'll never be happy until you pursue it. Because it's something you're willing to suffer for, and you're going to suffer more by not pursuing it, by knowing you could have. And I'll get to the punch in the gut about that at the very end. We're almost there. But if you're not going to pursue the entrepreneur path, you better treat your career like a business. Treat your career like a business. You need to make yourself so valuable to your employer by doing so much extra, so much more, but never let them take you for granted You need to be the person that when you say, I really feel like I need a freaking raise, they start getting out the calculator and figuring out where the hell they're going to get the money from. And then you don't ever be afraid to use that power to improve your position there. What if we give you a new title? You know, titles are great. They don't pay for mortgages. I said those very words one time. And if you do that well enough, they will be terrified that you'll leave because you'll be able to. You'll be able to. Your career, you should find some way to become known beyond the borders of your company for what you do. You should become a good speaker. Go to Toastmasters if you have to. It will help you be a better presenter internally in your company, a better presenter when you want to present a project, when you want to present why you should get a raise. But then if you start speaking about what you do, you become known for that. And then you when you are known, the very fact that you are known makes you desirable. I don't care if you're an aircraft engineer. I don't care if you're a computer programmer. I don't care if you're a telecom engineer. I don't care if you're a freaking pipe fitter, an electrician or a welder. That is a thing you can do. That's not the only way to do it. That's just a way to do it. But in some way, your name your brand and your reputation should go outside of who you work for. And if what you're doing is so menial that that's not possible. So when I was packing boxes in a warehouse for $5 and 90 cents an hour, if, if somebody had said that to me, I would have said, and how the hell do I do that? And they would have said, why are you doing what you're doing? And I would have responded with, I'm paying my bills. And they would have said, okay, So do you plan on doing this for the next year? I would have said, hell no. And they would have said, what are you going to do next? And I would have said, well, blah, blah, blah. And they would have said, okay, 
when you get there, will you be able to do that then? And if I would have said no, the answer would have been yes, I could have done it there. And I did. But if I would have said no, then the wise business mentor would have said what? Then you better not stay there for very long. Then you better figure out the path that that, why are you going that? Because the answer might be, well, I'm making $5.90 an hour and this job pays $15 an hour. That's a good answer. But it's not a good reason to stay. You should, if you're going to have a career that's going to be a J-O-B type career, you should be striving to get into a level of it that it is possible for you to build a personal brand. And it's easier today than ever. Here's an example. Charles, the humble mechanic, right out of the TSP community. Dude is a mechanic at a Volkswagen dealership. Now he is a social media influencer. That is his job, which we talked about yesterday. Like Number one job kids wanted a social media influencer. They don't know why. They think it's because you don't actually work when that's what you do. All they do is take pictures of themselves and eat food or whatever. No, that, no. My, my, my nephew, whose wife is an Instagram type model, if I walk into his house and say, hey, can I see your P&L? Hold on. He'll go upstairs, pull it out. Boom. He'll drop. That's profit and loss report. It's a P&L report on a business for his wife, who is an Instagram model. If I say, what are your trends? He knows. If I say, what marketing angles are you using right now? Which ones are effective and which ones are not being effective? He knows. It's a business. It's treated like a business. So Charles was able to so expand his personal brand that all he does is you know, teaching and discussions and, and videos and stuff like that today. But it didn't have to be. Tell me he couldn't have done the same thing and end up being one of the most in-demand mechanics in the business if he wanted to keep turning wrenches. So you have this ability to leverage all these platforms. You know, there's a guy I follow on TikTok. His name's Meat Dad. He's kind of a weirdo. But the guy had 20 years of being a butcher. 20 years of experience being a butcher. Now he does videos every day teaching people how to cut their own meat, how to do their own things, how to find good deals, etc. A huge following of young people. Why? Why does he have a huge following of young people? Because they want to know how to eat better for less money. And that, that made him an entrepreneur. But I know another group of guys that I follow on TikTok, the Bearded Butchers. They are legit butchers. They're going to stay butchers. They have a very successful butcher shop, do custom butchering, etc. All they're using their social media presence for is to expand that business. But couldn't you become a really in-demand person in your career and stay working for an employer if that's what you wanted to do? So I advise you to figure out how to do that. That way you get the safety and security and structure that you're comfortable with, but you don't work for less than you're worth. Because what you're worth is not just what you can do, but who you are and what you're known for. When I built up my track record in sales before I shifted to marketing, when I had, I had a personal recruiter, that when he made a phone call and he said, I have somebody I think you'd be interested in talking to, and there's always pushback. Well, let me tell you who it is. It's, it's Jack Spearco. Oh, oh, we'll talk to Jack. I don't know if we have anything, but yeah, we want to talk to him because I built my brand doing ex And I didn't have, you know, YouTube. I didn't have YouTube. 
I went in and I took away big contracts from big companies. That got my brand out there. But I did something else. I spoke. I joined things like the Richardson Technology Business Council when it was a huge thing. And I went and I spoke about future trends that had nothing to do with what I was selling. But I became in demand because I had name recognition. It's as much important as what you, you have to be able to do the thing, but you need the brand. So if you're going to stay in a career, build your brand or become an investor. Work really hard, make tons of money and intelligently invest your money and not just in stocks and bonds and Bitcoin. Right. Like you can find people who are good at business and invest in a business you become an owner in. But you're a straight up investor. I don't talk about that a lot because it's not what I do. I don't like it. I don't have passion for it. You're going to suffer. Right. People, well, I have 10 percent of this company. Company made, you know, 10 million dollars last year. Well, how much did you get? Well, nothing. Sometimes that's the case. Right. But there is eventually the business is sold or there is a payout to shareholders, et cetera. So you can take the investor path. Again, I just don't talk about things that I don't do well, but it's, it's a definite path. And you can build up enough wealth to become an investor in more conventional investments, hire a good investment manager, what have you, and have a passive cash flow. Or become a real estate investor, which is a hybrid of entrepreneurship and investing. And you can, most people who become successful real estate investors start when they have a job. They have a job, they buy a house, they use equity in one house to buy another house, they rent the house out, they build a track record as a, as a landlord, it gets easier to buy their third house, it gets really easy to buy their fourth house, and the bank will throw money at you to buy your fifth house. Not what I do. Not what I do. Right? Not my thing. So I don't tell people to do, how to do it, but I will make you aware that like there are other options here and some form of investment is another option. But let me let me finish this. With a reality check. And a gut punch. The reality check is where we started out. Every choice is hard. Every single Choice is hard at times in your life. Again, working a job is hard. Being poor is hard. Being unemployed is hard. Being on some form of government disability is a hard life. Being an entrepreneur is hard, especially in the beginning. So choose wisely. Make an informed decision before you make, you become informed before you commit to a decision. You can go back. You can change your decision, your choice. You can start something today, 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 not tomorrow, not over the weekend. Fucking Thursday, August 17th, 109 p.m. Central Standard Time. While I'm saying this live, you can fucking be starting something at 110 or not. The choice is hard either way. Please, for the love of God, understand you're making the choice through inaction as much as you are through action. Okay? Because here's the big thing. This is the gut punch. The one thing you can't get back is time. You cannot get your dash back. You cannot get your expended life force back. If you're sitting here going, you know, this dude's 50-something. And he's been doing this for 15 years, and he had a successful business 
for five years before that, and he had a successful career before that, and he's 50, so it's easy for him to say this. You're right, because I walked the hard damn path in the beginning, so it is easy now. But if you're 50, you can't say, damn, I wish I would have done what Jack did when he was early 20s and got out there and dug ditches, but actually did it in a way that made him known in his business and then you know, go into sales and then become successful at that and then go to my, like, I wish I would have done all that with my life, but I didn't. Can't go backwards. But five years from now, you won't be able to go back to today. It's now 1-11 Central Standard Time, Thursday, August 17th. You haven't used those two minutes. You haven't used those two minutes. They're gone. Fart in the wind. Unless listening to this is using those two minutes. And in that case, great. But now that you have had this ass kicking, now that you have had this awareness brought to you, and for some of you yet again and again and again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't make the excuse of, well, you know, it's easy for some people. Just had a guy on yesterday, gets divorced, his wife makes bullshit up about him, gets him arrested, loses every single thing he had and is on the street, is a felon on probation. And now sells dogs to millionaires for $50,000 and up. In a few years. In a few years. But if you tuned in yesterday, Joel's life goes back decades of working to that end, even when he didn't know it. Because there is something about most of us that make this choice. Something in us knows the entire time. This is where we're going. So when we do get to a point where I can't learn anymore, we do something else. When we realize I need to know a thing, we go figure out how to learn it. Whether it's easy, I'm going to just study up on it, or it's hard. I'm going to take a pay cut. I'm going to take a pay cut by more than half my pay to do this thing. We make those choices. Sometimes we're not even sure why, but we do. But you know why now. And life doesn't have a rewind button. If you're 55 and you're like, damn. I wasted all that time. I can't tell you you didn't, but I'm going to tell you you probably didn't. There's probably a whole shitload of your life experience. It's not too late. It's not too late. I can't remember who, but Donald Trump talked about some lady that made her fortune after she turned 80 years old and became a billionaire. Now, you know, the truth is I don't want to be a billionaire. I mean, don't get me wrong. So we say, here's a billion dollars. I'll take it. I don't want it. I want this. I want freedom. I want to be able to do my real passion. Teach. I want to teach every day for the rest of my life. The thing is, I only want to teach people that want to learn, that have a hunger for knowledge. And I only want to teach the things I want to talk about. I want to talk about different things every day. And if something's boring me, even if I like it, but it's boring me today, I just don't want to do it. Where can I get that job? I want to be able to tell my students, you're being a fucking little bitch 
and you need to stop being a little bitch and you need to pick your ass up and go do the thing that you said you wanted to do and not get fired. Where can I get that job? What university, what school will hire me to do that job? What company will hire me to do that job? And I want to set my own hours. One day I'm going to start at noon. Next day I'm going to start at one. None day I'm going to start at seven in the morning so I can be done and go fishing at noon. Who's going to give me that job? Who's going to give me that? No one. That job doesn't exist. You are wrong. I have it. Why? I built it. That's the magic of entrepreneurship. You build what you want within the confines of reality, right? If I wasn't a good teacher, I couldn't do this. If I wasn't a good speaker, I couldn't do this. But how do you become a good teacher? You learn and you share your knowledge and you gauge the feedback from the person you tried to teach and you become better at it. How do you become a good speaker? You get over whatever fears or impediments you have, whatever self-doubt you have, and you teach yourself to speak and then you go speak. You want to do this? Go do it. Get on with it. You want to do something else? Get on with that. You want to stay an employee? Then you be the best, most valuable employee you can and build a personal brand. You don't want to do either one of those things, then you better learn how to make a lot of money, save your money, invest your money, and build a passive income, or take one of the other hard paths. But as I said, they're all hard, and the one thing you'll never get back It's the time that you wasted that you could have spent doing a thing to better your life. Because what's easy? Being a 30-year-old man playing video games for four hours and then complaining you don't have enough money or freedom. Oh, you have freedom, my friend. You're just using it poorly and in a way that you'll never get that time back. And if you want to tell me, but there's guys who make you know a million dollars a year playing video games. Is that you? Do you have that talent? Do you have any hope of developing that level of talent in that sport, if that's what it's called? Yes, go do it then. Prove it. No, then do something else. Then do something else. What? I don't know. That's your choice. Choose wisely. Every path's hard. And the one thing you can never do is walk back down the path. You can shift to a new path, but you can't go, I will never be 20 again. I'll never be 30 again. I'll never be 40 again. Sometimes it's like, I'm 51? No. That, that, that can't be right. But I am. We're all mortal. We all have a terminal disease called life. We get one pass through in this plane. Even if you believe in reincarnation, this life is the one life you have to live in this plane. Right. Do something with it. Make something happen. Write me a letter six months, a year from now, telling me why, why I'm a jerk. Give me my best paydays I get. Tell me about the success that you built. I have had so many people build businesses in this community. And when they tell me what they've done, I'm like, they're so much more successful than me. God, there's some like just if you measure it economically, they're so much more successful than me. And you know what I think? God, I'm a great teacher. That's my last bit for you. Not God, I'm a great teacher. Don't be afraid to say that you're great at what you're great at. Don't be afraid to take pleasure in being great what you're great at. You know, being great at what you're great at. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to love what you do. 
So many people, that's the biggest reason they don't succeed. They're afraid to really love what they do, to be great at it, and to acknowledge that they've become great at it. And if you're going to stay in a job, well, you better learn to say that you're great at what you do. Because if you work for me and you're not willing to tell me you're great at it, even if I think you are, I'm not paying you more money. Anyway, with that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, remember, you can always help support this show by joining the MSB. If you join the MSB, you get a profitable product. You use the discounts, you get your money back, you support the show, and you're basically paying voluntarily for the kind of content that you got today. The other thing you can do is do your online shopping at tspaz.com. You're probably going to buy something in the next week or two anyway online. If you're going to do that, just go to tspaz.com before you do. Start your shopping there. No matter what you buy, you'll help us out. Today's item of day is stupid cheap. It's like seven bucks. Seven bucks, and these are silicon uh, basting brushes for your kitchen. Now, I know that this is not a survival product. Well, depends on where do you think cooking is a survival skill or not. But one thing, you know, I'm big on is teaching people to make good decisions with their money. So you buy the best you can get for the money, and then you use it. And that's what this is. I have one of these for those watching the video right now in my hand. It is made out of silicon. It is a solid piece of silicon, so the bristles can't fall off, the head can't fall off, and they're about a dollar and twenty cents a piece. It's a great little item for your kitchen. It always makes sense to buy the best you can afford, the best value for the money, and cooking is a great way to be more cost effective in your life. In my write up on this, you should check it out. Even if you're like, I already got these jacket bottom last time, whatever. You know, I'm happy with what I have. I give away some of my best uh, based to use the brushes with for basting things like chicken and fish and other things like that in my write-up today. I always try to bring as much valuable value as I can to everything I do. I really hope I hear from people from this episode six months, a year from now, I built something because that that's the greatest reward I can ever get out of what I do. Take care guys. And if you want to feel that way about what you do, take what I said to heart today and put it to work. And make it happen. It's now 1.20 Central Standard Time, Thursday, August 17th. What are you going to do in the next minute, five minutes, hour, week, year? What are you going to do? Sit and think about it or get shit done? Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? You should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.